Live from State Street in the heart of Chicago, you are listening to the new home of the Chicago Bears. Chicago ESPN Chicago. Allow me to reintroduce myself. My name is Mike and Abdallah. Live from the old National Bank Studio. WMVP, WSHE, HD2, Chicago. A good karma brand's radio station. Weeknight, 6 day, right here on ESPN 1000. If you want to join the conversation, you can call us tonight at 312-332-3776. We'll get some football going here in a couple of minutes. I also want to mention this to you, Abdallah. Earlier today, we had uh, news from Sham Sharania in the NBA. He uh, tweeted this column out from The Athletic. Uh, this is what Shams is reporting. NBA teams are probing the availability of a two-time All-Star Zach Levine, and there's been increased openness from the organization and player about exploring a trade. League sources tell Shams. So, so this is the news that broke earlier today. Uh, I think this is the first official time as we talk Bulls basketball with you here on ESPN 1000. I think this is the first official time that someone is reporting that Zach Levine would be open to a trade. I think to this point, before this report from Shams today, that he uh, essentially, Zach has always said the right thing that he wanted to be in Chicago. He wanted to be a part of this team. He wanted to be the face of the franchise. He wanted the Bulls to build around him. This is the first time to me, uh, to my knowledge, that Zach is willing to explore trade talks and willing to suggest to the Bulls, like, yeah, maybe you should look to see what you can get for me because this is not working as the Bulls last night lose to the Bucks 118 to 109. And that's the news that we have earlier today is that uh, Sham Sharania is reporting that the, the Bulls uh, and NBA teams are probing the availability of Zach Levine. Is, is Zach becoming self-aware? Does he know that, like, he can't be the guy? Does he know that he's got to go to a team where he's not the guy to win a championship? Is that why he's willing to engage? Or is he just sick of the situation? Like, what is it? I don't think he's ever been self-aware because if you remember last season before the season started, he said that he was going to be a great defensive player. Yeah. That lasted like a week and a half, maybe like four or five games Mm -hmm. where he gave max effort defensively. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think perhaps it has to do with the fact that this season just started. They're four and seven. Yeah. Uh, Right now, the Bulls are 12th in the East. They lose last night to the Bucks. The game wasn't really close. They lose by nine. It wasn't really a, a close game. Uh, offensively, offensive efficiency, the Bulls are 20th. Defensively, they're 22nd. Uh, let's see. Three-point percentage, they're 20th. Three-point attempts are 22nd. Possessions per game, so pace. They play at a slow pace, 26th in the league. There really isn't much hope. DeMar DeRozan isn't getting any younger. Uh, his MVP efforts a couple of years ago, are no longer there. Vooch is an okay pro player, mm-hmm. just okay. Uh, and you have a bunch of young guys who really have never grown into anything. Patrick Williams, Kobe White, Iodesumu. Like, these are just role players who are not going to get you to the next level. They're basically stuck. And I, I do think it, it's notable that this is coming out now, November the 14th. Like, we're not even at Christmas yet. No. We're not even at Thanksgiving. The season's not even a month old. No. and they and you 11 games. About when we talked about the start of the NBA season, what did I ask you? I asked you, will this team be above 500 in one month? <laughs> nope. They couldn't even make it one month and stay above 500 to stay in the mix, stay in the conversation. Right now, 12th in the Eastern Conference. They would not be in the plan. 
And really, it doesn't seem like there's much hope. And that's where today's reports from uh, Shams and uh, Darnell Mayberry, also from The Athletic, kind of contributing to this uh, this column up on The Athletic's website, that there are teams that are interested. Um, there's an openness from the organization and the player about exploring a trade. Shams also went on the rally on Stadium's network earlier tonight and said the teams that would be interested would be the Lakers, uh, the Sixers, the Heat as some of the options. Um, I, I think it's all interesting. Uh, we were watching also NBA Today earlier on ESPN television, and Zach Lowe suggested that maybe the Heat could be a landing spot for Zach Levine and Austin Rivers, the former you know, Dukey, uh, Doc Rivers' son, he's mm-hmm. on the set. He then responded and said, yeah, Zach's not the type of player that would fit in in Miami. He doesn't really play defense. Ooh. That's what Austin Rivers said. Austin Rivers didn't play defense. No. But he's out there saying, like, I don't know if Zach would uh, fit in with heat culture and, and having to be a guy that gives max effort on both ends of the floor. So I don't know where the Bulls go from here because, like, I don't really know that Zach really has that much uh, value around the league. They were also suggesting on on ESPN television, Zach Lowe was suggesting, like, maybe a team like the Knicks would be interested. The problem for Bulls fans is that what you're getting back is not like a star player. No. Like, uh-uh. the idea would be Zach would be paired with Jalen Brunson. It wouldn't no. be for Jalen Brunson. And that should wake Bulls fans up and, and let them know exactly what people around the league think about the Chicago Bulls. You're not getting back a star to be a marquee name for this team if you trade Zach Levine. Well, you wonder if it's to the Heat. Maybe do they part with Tyler Hero? Do they, you know, are you just trading for expiring contracts and picks and you're trying to totally reset the franchise? Or are you trying to just retool it a little bit and get a new core around Vooch, who you just re-signed? And, you know, obviously the player with the most value to move right now, even though he's currently injured, is probably Alex Caruso. I think every team wants Alex Caruso on their team. Like anybody that has playoff aspirations or championship aspirations would like an Alex Caruso. Um, But you have to look in, like, what can you get back from the Lakers? The Lakers, when's their next draft pick? Like, they they don't have a draft pick for 20 years, it seems like, you know? Like, do the Heat have one? Like, anybody that you're going to trade Zach to is going to be a playoff team, is going to be a championship contender. So that pick is going to be a late first round. Like, you're not trading him and getting, like, the number one pick. The only way you're going to do that is if you trade him and you bottom out and you end up with the number one pick or number two pick, which is why you and I said do this last year. Yeah. Because we saw this from the first half of the season last year, that this team wasn't good enough. I said last year that they weren't going to make the playoffs. I was yelled at by C-Red Nation. I was tweeted at every time they won a game. See? See, look. And that wasn't right. That wasn't right from C-Red Nation. See? That's not right, they man. They won a game. It's not right. Okay, cool. They're 10 games under five hundred. Like, awesome. They won a game. Now they're eight games under five hundred. Like, this should have been done last year, and you put yourself in place for a franchise-changing player like Victor Wembanyama. Like, I'm not saying you were going to get him, but you want to put yourself, like, look at the top, you know, three, four picks in this draft. They're all playing really well this season. Even Brandon Miller from Alabama, all the stuff off the court, he's played really well so far this yeah. season. Yeah. So even if you would have ended up with him or someone like that, like, you could have had a decent player to build around. There is no hope around this organization. I talked about this last year, Chris. Would you rather be, this was going into the, like, towards the trade deadline, right? Would you rather be the Thunder or the Bulls? And I said the Thunder. 
You've got hope. You've got young players. You've got a team that's exciting, that's fun to watch, a good brand of basketball. And they're a fun team. Like, they're a team that you, uh, fans are excited about. The ride up is always a lot more fun than watching this thing collapse around you. And that's what's happening to the Bulls. We're watching this thing cla- collapse around them 11 games into the season. Well, it's a slow crumble, though. There, there is the, the collapse has been something we've seen. This is like building a sandcastle, watching each granule uh, piece of salt, uh, sand fall away at a time. Like, this is all something that was very predictable. Mm-hmm. We knew this team wasn't going to be very good, wasn't going to be very competitive. They continued to tell us that this collection, this continuity would just improve over the summer. That this group staying together was just going to do something different. You know, Zach's averaging 21 points per game this season in 11 games played. Tamar's averaging 21 points per game. You know, Vooch is an okay player, right? Like 17 and 10 from Vooch, that's not a problem. But really, outside that, you're not really getting much juice out of anyone else on the team. And the major disappointment has to be Patrick Williams. Mm -hmm. He needs to take another step. He's not doing it. It's just not going to happen. And right now, at this point this season, he's played in 11 games. He's only started five, 23 minutes a night, averaging six points for Patrick Williams. That's absolute garbage. And, you know, last year at the trade deadline, Arturis Karnasovas said this at the press conference. This is uh, AK uh, giving us what was left in the season. Remember, they didn't do anything at the trade deadline. They just sat. And then over the summer, they told us about continuity. Mm -hmm. Let's go back to last February, the 10th. And at the end of the day, we decided to go with this group for next 28 games. Now that we passed the trade deadline is to evaluate this group next 28 games. You know, how to improve it is based, obviously, on next 28 games. They're just clutch all together, so I think there's there's a chance there in the next 28 games. <laughs> we thought that it was prudent to stick to this uh, group for the next 28 games. I think this group is learning. they got 28 games. We looked at this group as a best way to go for the next 28 games. We just relax and play with no energy. I think consistency is the key for the next 28 games. This is just a collection of information, next 28 games. There's still time to improve, and we have 28 games left. So there's AK. That was back in February. Uh, 28 games. Uh, He said it 12 times in the press conference. And then they did nothing over the summer. Mm -hmm. And what did he point to at the end of the the season press conference as well? We we had a nice stretch at the end where we we played good basketball at the end. What like you... It's the same exact problem that we've seen now for years with this team, and it's a lack of foresight of what everyone else in the league is doing, and you valuing what the talent you have by too much. Yeah, that that's what it is. Is they think that this group is a, a star led team of guys who can get you to the next level. Unfortunately, when they're faced off against other teams that are actually good, uh, they they crumble. That that's what it is. They crumble. I mean, like, like, last night, you have no chance against Milwaukee. You just don't. The only teams you can beat are teams that are bad, like the Pistons. Young players who come in on the road who are not prepared to play. Those are the teams that you beat. That's it. Here's the problem, right? You can talk a whole ton of game about having to change the way your team approaches their offense. They said it. We need to shoot more threes. We know we need to shoot more threes. We know we need to shoot more threes. We're going to shoot more threes. Okay, congratulations. You're not dead last 
in three-point attempts this year? Like, you're not. Congratulations. You're shooting more threes. 23rd. Okay. Like, that's not good enough. That's not good enough. If you want to be a playoff team, you need to shoot more threes. The problem is they also have guys that can't make threes on the team. Like, Kobe White is fine. He made it. Listen, I saw it. I saw the highlight. I saw the highlight of the DeMar DeRozan awesome pass in the three, and Adam Amin sounded all excited, and it was, I got the sriracha and everything. You lost by nine. Like, you, you covered, but you lost. And it's just not acceptable anymore. You can't. We see it all the time in the NBA. Aggressive teams. I don't care if it works or not at this point. Just do something. Try something. This whole, everybody wanted a new regime, and you got it. And they did something. And people were like, yeah, finally. And then they bring, in, they bring in all these new players. They revamp the team. You get a new front office. And then what happens right as soon as the trade deadline comes and goes? Nothing. An offseason comes and goes? Nothing. At least now, they're going to try to do something. But at this point... It's gotten too far down the road. I don't know if I have faith in this front office to put anything together at this point. No, I don't. I don't. And I think that's where you saw them make those moves initially. And you could say that they put the Bulls in a brief window where they were more successful at a time. But it all was on the, the idea that Lonzo Ball would be healthy. Outside of that, I mean, the Orlando for Vooch trade kind of looks like Orlando is going to win that in the long run. You know, they have a couple of players that, that are successful for them. They seem like they're going to have the, the win of that trade. Mm-hmm. You look at the other moves that they made. Caruso's a nice player. Don't get me wrong. Like, I enjoy having Alex Caruso on the roster. Except he's not someone who can elevate the franchise from where they're at to an apex level. Essentially, he's someone that adds on when you're already up there chasing championships. Yeah. Like, that's what Alex Caruso is. And he can make a difference in the NBA playoffs, in the NBA finals. Absolutely. He's just not going to get you there. No. And I think that's the problem is it all boils down to the same conversation we've been having for years, and we were yelled at for years that Zach Levine is a stud superstar in the league. He is not. He's empty calorie points. That's what he is. He doesn't play well at the end of games when it's important, and he's a losing basketball player. That's what it is. He gives you nice stats, but he does not win. And that's just the book on Zach Levine. It's what his, it's always been. It's what it's been as of late. And that's what it will be in the future. That's exactly who Zach Levine is. Nice guy. Tries hard. He's just not at the same level as like the other 10 to 15 best players in the league who can dictate winning on every single night. I, I don't like being the show that says we told you so. But... We told you so. For years. This is Chicago's Home for Sports on FM 100.3 HD2, the ESPN Chicago app, and ESPN 1000. This is Black and Abdallah on ESPN Chicago, Chicago's Home for Sports. Black and Abdallah are back on Chicago's Home for Sports, ESPN Chicago. At the flag today from Sham Sharania saying that NBA teams are probing the availability of two-time All-Star Zach Levine 
And there's been increased openness from the organization, that being the Bulls and the player, Zach himself, about exploring a trade. League sources tell Shams Sharania. So that story is out there. Some teams that have been linked. Shams also went on to say later in the afternoon on his TV show, The Rally, on stadium saying that the Heat, the Lakers, and the 76ers could be teams all interested in Zach Levine. You know, Ken Pompey uh, is a reporter from Philadelphia that you and I have had on the show multiple times. Oh, yeah. He saw the rumors about Zach earlier today, and in, he wrote that it seems pretty unlikely right now. The Sixers are the best team in the East, mm-hmm. and they're rolling, and they mm-hmm. just moved off of some dead weight from James Harden, and they're like, they don't really need an additional score. Maxie's playing well. Embiid seems happy. So, like, he wasn't refuting Shams' report, but he was kind of saying, like, I don't know if the 76ers really need that right well, now. Well, weren't there loose rumors about Laker, the Lakers because of Clutch and all that kind of stuff? And yeah. like when, when Zach switched his agency yeah. for, for his agent last year, remember that? I could that? see that. I just don't know what the Lakers would give you back. Well, it would be like D'Angelo Russell and a bag of balls and, you know, maybe and they could give you... 2030? Like, well, their next, the next pick the Lakers own is in 2026. What? Yeah. Their, their 2024 no! pick goes to New Orleans, unless it's deferred earlier, which it wasn't. So then uh, their 2025 pick could be deferred as well to New Orleans from the previous trades that they made with the Pelicans. So the next pick that they own outright without any uh, protections or any, anything else attached to it would be 2026. Their 2027 pick is uh, going to be sent to Utah. So, so it's 2026. What are we doing? It'd be 28, 29, 30 is what the Lakers kind of have. The Lakers don't really have a lot of future draft capital to trade with. That's, so it'd be players. It'd be like D'Angelo Russell and someone else. I don't, I don't know if that really gets Bulls fans going. And like five second round picks. Well, and like that's, that's the predicament that the Bulls have now found themselves in. The value of this entire team is so low that if you want to blow it up and, and start over, what are you even like, okay, you, I guess you can move off Zach, you can move off DeRozan, and you can just collect picks. I don't think it's going to be from the Lakers. I mean, maybe Miami with DeRozan? Maybe. I think Caruso could fit with the Lakers, too, well, or Caruso Miami. Well, Caruso could fit a lot of places. Yeah. Like, Caruso could fit with Golden State. Mm-hmm. Uh, he could fit with the Celtics. Mm-hmm. Uh, 76ers, I think, could use a player like Caruso. The point is, any first-round pick you're going to get is going to be at the end of the draft. Uh, yeah. So yeah, you're, you're trading not, to bottom out. Yeah, you're not trading with a team that's already in the hunt for the, a pick. But the a result for you is to trade and get bad players and expiring contracts right. to free up money for the offseason and to be bad. But you know that dog and get, pony show. Course, well, who are the oh, Bulls signing in free agency? They're no, not signing anyone. No free agent wants to come play here. Yeah, we, we've been through this. It's the same never-ending story with this team. You know, there's a player that uh, I think players would want to play with. I've seen this guy, young up-and-comer. He's not from here. He's from overseas. I don't know if a lot of people have seen him. It's this Victor Wembenyama. Am I saying his name right? Wembenyama? He's, uh, he's in San Antonio. Is Am I saying it right? Yeah, Wembenyama. Wembenyama. Okay, yeah. he's a French. guy I think players would want to play with him. One would think. I think. Except the, the Bulls are uh, too obsessed with continuity, and now they're terrible. Yep. Jerry, on the, on the north side, you're on ESPN 1000. What's up, Jerry? Hey, what up, fellas? This is Jerry, baby. Jerry on the north side. What's Long up, time, Gary? Baby. How are you? What's up, man? Question in the comments. 
Do you think that uh, Lonzo Ball's injury really derailed what this Bulls team could have been? Because he was he was the number one pick in the NBA draft, correct? And did he derail what the Bulls were playing? I think he was the second overall pick. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it certainly derailed what they were building here. Do I think they were building a team that was going to max out in the second round? I, that's what I think they were. Uh, but yeah, his injury certainly derailed what they were putting together. Yeah, he seemed to be playing a pretty special brand of point guard that season that they put together, man. But my, my comment is we're, we're kind of kidding ourselves, man, as Chicago fans. We get duped and duped season after season. And this is the Reinsdorf school of business, man. He said as much. You keep a middling team, you keep butts in the seats, you keep the concession selling, and just enough to give them a little bit of hope and keep them coming back, but never really put a winning product in the field. I feel bad for my Sox fan friends who deal with the same thing, uh, <laughs> you know, and just all this year after year mediocrity. But this is, I blame Jerry Reinsdorf, man. The Reinsdorf school of business, we all know what it is. Let's stop pretending. Thanks for the call, Gary. Appreciate you. You know, the, the, the difference, though, is Michael Reinsdorf has been the one running the Bulls. And what was reported in the last few years is that he wanted to win at the highest level. You know, if we go back to when the NBA All-Star Game was here in Chicago, the city put on a beautiful performance on how cool the city is in the winter, especially with and around basketball. And people, had, there was a buzz. Like, what's wrong with the Bulls? Why can't the Bulls be one of the top teams in the league? And it seemed like Michael Reinsdorf was fully invested in finding the best basketball people to change the concept of what people believe Chicago Bulls basketball is all about. Yeah. And then he, and then he hired AK and Mark mm-hmm. Eversley, mm-hmm. and they really they made a splash to start and really haven't done anything since. I, I just... I thought that when they came in, right, and they they traded everybody, they brought it for Vooch, and then you re-sign and everything. Like I was like, all right, this front office takes big swings. Like I like this. I've always said that I'd rather you take a big swing and it not work out than nothing at all. The NBA is literally the only sport where you can retool your entire roster in one off season. We've seen teams do it countless times, where they're just like, this isn't working. Ship everybody out clear up a bunch of money, sign a bunch of dudes, or and then draft someone, like a young player that people want to play with, that kind of thing. You can do it in the NBA. And they did it their first year. And then they're just like, we like these players. Okay, but you didn't make the, you didn't make the playoff. Okay, we like these players. All right, you got bounced in the play-in tournament. We like these players. Like, well, you're the worst three-point shooting team in the league. Like, you don't even attempt. Like, you don't even try to Oh, they're going to change the uh, shooting profile, okay. Adam. And then... And now you see that you're four and seven, and it's like, well, like you have the same players. Like, what are you doing? Right. What happened to these big swings? Because I don't think that I don't think Michael Reinsdorf would have had a problem if he came to them and they're like, look, we didn't make the playoffs. This isn't working. We've got we've got to trade these guys and try to tank and try to get Wimbledon. Yeah, like the way you're selling Otani to Cubs fans, right? Like Cubs fans just like go out and pay a dude, right? Well, at the time, the Bulls had an opportunity last year at the trade deadline, to just say, you know what? This isn't working. We're done. Sorry. This isn't working. There is there is the next superstar, like the next guy in the NBA is out there right now. And we've seen him play well so far. The Spurs are still not great, but they're still young, and they basically all they have is Wimbenyama. And so it's something to build around. And that draws butts in seats. You don't think Spurs games are selling out for people to get a glimpse at Wimbenyama? 
And when he comes to town, people aren't trying to go see Wembenyama. Like, that's something you can sell. Like, I get it that people are like, oh, the Bulls just want butts and seats, butts and seats. Young, fun teams get butts and seats. Wait, well, who are you talking to? People are going. Like, they they win. Like, that. that's the thing that's so frustrating with this franchise. No, but people Your argument going. is happening to be, uh, anyway. But people stopped going. This team has going. made the playoffs once in six years. But before they before they made all the moves, people stopped going. Well, but every people get duped into thinking that this team's going to do something every season, I so know. then they continue to go. I mean, listen, NBA basketball is fun to go to. Mm-hmm. So, like, I get that people like to go to the games, but there is no hope with the team. You're right. It is much easier to sell off of hope of a young team coming together. Unfortunately, in this city, people still go. Yeah. So, like, it doesn't matter. They can run out a crap team that makes the playoffs once in six years. It doesn't matter. And you start the season four and seven. Yeah. You're not even in the playoffs at the moment if the season ended today. You're 12th in the East. You wouldn't even make the play-in games. Daniel and Vernon Hills, you're on ESPN 1000. Uh, thank you so much for having me on. Um, I, I know the caller before said that ownership was a, a reason why the, the team's not doing well. I think it's all nonsense. There's only one person to blame for the reason why the Bulls are where they are, and that's Zach Levine. When you sign a max deal and the way that he plays on the offensive, offensive side and struggles, doesn't play defense, the Bulls are basically in a penalty kill every single time on the defensive <laughs> side. He's the biggest reason why the Bulls are where they are. He should, in my opinion, he should not be playing again for the Chicago Bulls the way that he has been playing. And for the report to come out today that his side and the Bulls are working maybe on trying to trade him, I think that's that's a disgrace. I think, like I said, he should not be playing for the Chicago Bulls for tomorrow or whenever they're playing again because he doesn't want to play for the Bulls. So why should he play when you sign him to a $215 million and he plays like he just doesn't want to be here. Thanks for the call, Daniel. Appreciate it. Black and Abdallah here on ESPN 1000. Black and Abdallah on ESPN Chicago. Chicago's home for sports. You're listening to Black and Abdallah on Chicago's home for sports. ESPN Chicago. Listen to us now live on the ESPN Chicago app. ESPN 1000, the ESPN Chicago app. We'll continue taking your calls on the Bulls. Uh, there's a report today from Sham Sarania saying that teams are probing the availability of Zach Levine. There's an increased openness from the organization and the player about exploring a trade uh, per league sources. Also, all the NBA uh, GMs are here in Chicago tonight because tonight is a uh, big college basketball night at the United Center. Duke and Michigan State are playing right now, and then later tonight is Kansas-Kentucky. So, like, the league is here. They're all here to watch these games tonight, <laughs> and, and Shams uh, reports this story earlier today. What, what is with that? What is with the Bulls and only talking when everyone is here? Like, we just laid out. You laid it out, right? NBA All-Star Game. Yeah. And all the GMs are here. The whole league is here. And they're like, man, it'd be a lot cooler if you guys were good at basketball. Well, no, I, I think what it is is uh, I, I would imagine that sources in the league that are traveling to the city are reaching out to uh, those who are covering the team and yeah. saying, like, what the heck is going on here? 
And, and I think that's where you see the loss last night, nine points to the Bucks, and you're four and seven. And, and people are uh, waiting to see what happens with the Bulls. We'll, so we'll continue taking your calls at 312-332-3776. I do want to mention this, though. Uh, the Bears are off today. Uh, they prep tomorrow for the Lions on Sunday, so they'll get back to practice tomorrow. And tomorrow, Wednesday, we'll find out the status for Justin Fields, whether or not the Bears are expecting to start him on Sunday, or whether or not it's going to be another week of Eberflus telling us it's day-to-day and uh, there's grip strength and we're seeing it get improved, but we won't tell you if he's going to start or not. Uh, that will uh, be found out tomorrow because the Bears will have to submit an injury report tomorrow after practice. I was reading the Chicago Sun-Times. Mark Potash had this uh, article up today. And the first question, he had 10 questions, uh, 10 thoughts. His first question, did the Bears miss out on C.J. Stroud? That was the start of uh, Mark Potash's column on the Chicago Sun-Times. And, you know, we spent a lot of last night's show, Bears Night in Chicago, talking about how good C.J. Stroud looked against the, the Bengals. And that's now two weeks in a row. That C.J. Stroud and the Texans have won games and won games at the end. They're an exciting young team. And C.J. Stroud, to this point this season, has thrown for 15 touchdowns, two interceptions. He has a 61% completion percentage, 2,600 yards. He is on fire. Potash uh, asked the question in the Sun-Times, did the Bears miss out on C.J. Stroud? Uh, I say no because you weren't in the market like think like you can't hindsight's 2020 right you can say yes they missed out on cj stroud because of the result now but at the time i would especially in this building in this studio most of us were saying that fields played well last year uh get him a number one wide receiver which they did in dj Moore. revamp the offensive line which they did get a better defense which they did and see what he does like yes were there callers the saying hey trade him draft bryce young look at cj stroud absolutely there were people that said move on from justin we've seen enough but from my perspective and i believe your perspective we thought that justin would be better and that it was more beneficial for the bears to not take a quarterback in that draft and fix everything else and try to turn fields into the path that Jalen Hurts was on, where you fix the offensive line, you get a true wide receiver, and then you can see his real talent. Because he did. He carried the team last year. And with his legs, sometimes with his arm, mostly with his legs, like 90% of the time with his legs. And you'd hoped that with better talent around him, that he would be better. And so far this season, we've seen like two games, really one and three quarters of a game, where he's been good, and that's it. So yeah, in hindsight, you could be like, oh yeah, they definitely should have traded Justin Fields and drafted C.J. Stroud. But at the time, remember the conversation was just fix everything around him and he should be better. Yeah, that was the conversation. You're right about that. Potash does point out that Patrick Mahomes in 2017 was dropped into the perfect situation. So you could say that Mahomes would be great no matter where he landed, but the one thing you can't deny is that the situation that he landed in with Kansas City is a pretty great situation. He's maxed it out. All-time great quarterback. They've won Super Bowls. Mm-hmm. Great coach. Mm-hmm. Great system. Every He had time to wait because they had Alex Smith. Potash talks about that. When I think about this, though, 
The one thing that I I have to continue to remind myself, though, is the Bears had the number one pick. So it was their choice to go with that path that we were talking about in the offseason and, and last year, that Justin Fields is the guy and you need to build him up and give him every opportunity. Mm-hmm. It's a choice they made yeah. to go with Justin Fields. Mm-hmm. It was also a choice for them to scout every quarterback in the draft and do their due diligence and to say Bryce Young is not worth the number one pick. Will Levis is not worth the number one pick. C.J. Stroud, not worth the number one pick. I know it's hindsight, but at this moment, it seems as if C.J. Stroud certainly was worth the number one pick. And the reason I keep pointing this out in my own head as we discuss this is the Bears had the number one pick. There's a good chance they're going to have the number one pick again. Yeah. What leads you to believe that they're going to be able to scout these quarterbacks in the future to make sure that they're in the same and in the right situation to draft the guy in a quarterback class that has a bunch of names. We talked about Williams last night. We talked about May. We talked about Penix. We talked about McCarthy. We also talked about Knicks. Mm -hmm. Those are five quarterbacks. Mm -hmm. How do we have the faith that Ryan Poles is going to select the right guy when he passed up on C.J. Stroud, who's a guy who seems to be the guy? Do you see what I'm saying? Like They had the number one pick. They could have had him if they wanted to. I understand that. But also, two things. Every, yeah, every analyst that we talk to, all of our draft friends that we talk to beforehand, before the draft, even the ones that Waddle and Sylvie talked to and Todd McShay and Mel Kuyper Jr. all said that if Justin Fields was in last year's draft, he would be the number one pick. He would be hands down the number one pick. He is better than all of these quarterbacks is what they all said. So everything, and I believe that they talk to scouts and they talk to everybody and they do all of their homework and everyone that they talk to believe the same thing. Also, in trading out of the first pick, they gave themselves the safety net of having two first-round picks. And if it didn't work out, you move up and you get the quarterback you want. Or you hope that the Panthers are bad, which they are. They're the worst team in the NFL right now. And you just get the number one pick again. Like, that just could work out that way, right? Or number two or whatever what they end up with, right? So, yes, sure, in hindsight, they could have. I also believe that there's going to be different eyes this year. I think that yeah, Ryan Poles' eyes are the same. It's I, still Ryan Poles. I understand it's Ryan still Poles. still here. But if you bring in a new coach who's going to be offensive, my, I, can, I can without a shadow of a doubt guarantee that if they bring in a head coach, it's going to be an offensive-minded head coach. It's going Because that's what they've done. They went from Lovey to Tressman to Fox to Nagy to Eberflus, and now you're going back and forth. You're playing, you're playing tennis here, ping pong, whatever you want to do. You're going back and forth. And so it's going to be an offensive-minded head coach, and that offensive-minded head coach is going to have input on who they draft. Also, they didn't need to look for a quarterback. It's their job to look for a quarterback, but they didn't need to look for a quarterback because well, they no, had that, Justin that's Fields. garbage, though. Because if, garbage. If, you, if you do your homework and you see that C.J. Stroud is a, an absolute can't-miss prospect or he, he's proving through the workouts but that no he's the guy. no one said he was you, a can't-miss product. No, but I, I guess my point is... I'm not saying that they someone said that. I'm just saying like it's their job to figure that out. I also don't believe that if you go back and look through last year's draft analysis that everybody was like CJ's the guy. Everybody no. said Bryce was the guy. Everybody A said Bryce was the guy. A lot of people loved Will Levis heading into the draft. Exactly. CJ was third. Yeah, in some spots. Yeah. Same. In a lot of spots. Yeah. 
second or third in a lot. Of, he was not number one. And so if they had done their homework, they might have ended up trading fields and having Bryce Young, and then we'd have an undersized quarterback that's throwing a 1,000 interceptions. Vince and Roselle, you're on ESPN 1000. What's up, Vince? Hey, how you doing, guys? Uh, weighing in on this conversation. Um, um, going back to last year, and this ultimately goes down in terms of hiring the right people, right? Um, when you ask about draft analysts that Bryce Young was a number one quarterback, was a consensus last year, and the consensus was Justin Fields is the guy in Chicago, and the quarterbacks coming out in last year's draft were not the answer. Well, those guys are analysts for a reason, and there's a reason why Nick Cesario right now is a GM in the Texans. Personally, um, <clears throat> I don't know how you guys feel about it. It seems like it's another yet another quarterback that we passed up on, a la Patrick Mahomes, a la Aaron Rodgers, that we're going to have to watch again for the next five years, um, unless we draft a better talent next year's draft. This leads me to my question. So looking at this year's draft in 2024, do you, are you guys confident as terms of prospect that any of them are better than C.J. Stroud? At the moment, in my opinion, the answer is no. I'm not sold on Caleb Williams. I'm very concerned about his um, operating as a machine in the pocket. I'm not very confident in his, in his uh, character, character traits as well off the field. And Drake May hasn't shown enough saying that he's better than C.J. Stroud. Um, just wanted to weigh in on your thoughts there. Yeah, thanks for the call, yeah. Vince. What do you think of that? I think it's kind of flawed logic, and no, no disrespect to Vince whatsoever. I think that it's, it's flawed logic to see someone perform in the NFL and say that I don't think he's better than, that I think he's better than everyone in the draft, because we don't know. Look, C.J. Stroud could fall off a cliff in the second half, right? Like, he could. He yeah. could have a horrible second year. Like, we don't know. You've seen him play X amount of games, and he's played really well. I'm not saying that he's going to decline. He could just keep getting better and better and better, and that's great. But, one, the Bears weren't in the market for a first-round quarterback. They just weren't. They told you they weren't when they traded the pick. Ryan Poles is saying he wanted to trade the pick at the Combine. Like, there's there's no... They weren't in the market. Well, couldn't you, may, couldn't you twist that and say the assessment of Justin Fields was flawed from Poles and the Bears to begin with? It might have been, but I also Thinking think that... Thinking that he was going to take an extra step here? Yeah, but that's why they had two first-round picks this year. Like, that's why they, they set themselves up perfectly with the safety net of having two first-round picks. I just think it's flawed to say, oh, well, this guy's great in the league when last year everybody didn't know he was. A, everybody thought that he was going to be Justin Fields, the same thing. Oh, Ohio State quarterbacks can't aren't good in the NFL. No one saw this coming from C.J. Stroud except for the Texans. That's it. And I bet you if the Texans had the first overall pick, they would have taken Bryce Young. Did the Bears miss out on drafting C.J. Stroud number one overall? We're taking your calls at 312-332-3776. It's Black and Abdallah. This is Black and Abdallah on ESPN Chicago, Chicago's home for sports. It's Black and Abdallah. Follow us on the gram at Black and Abdallah and at ESPN underscore Chicago. This is Chicago's home for sports. ESPN 1000. Black and Abdallah on a Tuesday night. We have a great song of the night coming up for you in just a moment. We're taking your Bears calls. We're talking C.J. Stroud. And we're also talking about the news around Zach Levine possibly being open for a trade. Rich in Naperville, you're on ESPN 1000. What's up, Rich? 
Yeah, I got a, I have a question for you guys. Um, and thanks for putting me on. You know, we, I don't want to get excited about trading Levine because we've been in the same problem that we've been in the last seven years. We drafted number seven three years in a row. And what did we get? So if we, if we sell out to the ones that want him, are we going to get something like a 20, a 21st, a 22nd, 23rd draft choice? That yeah. don't make sense to me. Yeah. It, does, it just doesn't make sense. And as, and as far as, you know, when I look at, you know, fields, we got so many holes, okay, on the, on the Chicago Bears team, on the line and edge rushers and defensive backs and everything, and a center especially. I mean, why, why would we not concentrate our resources on finish filling everybody out and then taking what we need? And we could even, we already got a, a game manager in Padgett. Okay, it feels doesn't work out. It just doesn't make sense, okay, what we're talking about. And as far as Shrouds, I mean, they're putting tape on him right now. Every week that he plays in the NFL is going to get harder and harder and harder and harder. There's only one McHones, right? There's only one. So that's what that's my comments. What do you guys think? Good call, Rich. Thanks for the phone call, all right? Call again. Yeah, Rich. Rich commented on everything from the last hour. I love it. That's fantastic. Yeah, I I disagree with everything, but I like it. Yeah, it's a good call. Black yeah. Abdal. Uh, each night around six fifty, we like to play for you the song of the night. I wanna rock. Okay, hey, turn up the volume and don't touch that dial because it's time for what dial? There's there's no dial on my phone. Yeah, it's just an. Ex- ah, never mind. Crank the volume because it's time for Black and Abdallah's song of the night. Yo, Liv. Tonight's song, we go to Chris Gaines, Way of the Girl from 1999. Yep, it's your song of the night. too much to talk about <laughs> why are we playing chris Gaines? i don't even know the name of the song but way of the girl way of the girl by chris Gaines from 1999 so this was a song we pulled for yesterday tom there showed up early to the broadcast yes. so we bumped the song of the night on november 13th 1999 on snl saturday night live it was season 25 episode 5 the host that night was garth brooks the musical guest that night was Chris Gaines, who is the same person. But not acknowledged by Garth Brooks. Yes. Garth Brooks wanted to make an album. One of the most popular country singers of all time. Of all time. Wanted to make this weird emo electronic music because he had black hair he, covering he had, his face. He had hair over Charlie, his do face. do yourself a favor and Google. look up no, Chris, I, Chris Gaines. I am very familiar with this story, actually. Oddly enough, this, is the, little, this is the first time I've been, you guys have done Song of the Night, and I'm like, oh yeah, I, oh, yeah, I, know, I know this, this whole story. He had a weird soul patch thing, and like... So he, Garth Brooks hosted SNL, and this was a song that's out there by this guy, Chris Gaines, 
Garth Brooks then goes out on stage and performs at Chris Gaines on SNL as if he's a different person. And Garth Brooks wouldn't acknowledge that Chris Gaines wasn't a different person. People would ask him, and he was like, I don't know what you're talking about. He... He was going to create this like a movie. He wrote this movie about an artist who was conflicted with himself and made this album as like a soundtrack to the movie. He made a fake behind the music about Chris Gaines that like wasn't real because he's not a real person. Like imagine. okay, imagine the most popular. Imagine Taylor Swift right now. Right. And is like having an alter ego. I'm going to front a hardcore band. Yeah. As an alter ego and not acknowledge it. Everybody knows it's someone else. It's her dressed as someone else. Yeah. But she's not going to admit it and just cre- and put out this album as like an alternate person. So, yeah, we go back to November the 13th, 1999. That's when this episode of SNL debuted. It's when it was on. And, and Chris Gaines was the musical guest. And I remember watching it because it was 1999. I was younger and I had nothing to do but sit at home and watch SNL. Like, it's different from your life now? Because yeah, not really. You kind of do the same things as Eleven that you do now. Chris Gaines, Way of the Girl. It's your song of the night. It's so wild to me. It still is to this day. To this day. I want to rock! Hey, turn up the volume and don't touch that dial because it's time for... What dial? There's there's no dial on my phone. Yeah, it's just an... Ah, never mind. Crank the volume because it's time for Black and Abdallah's Song of the Night. Yo, later. Seriously, do yourself a favor. Look it up. Google it. What's funny is there's very little information on the internet about Chris Gaines. Because he's not a real person. It, no, no, I know, but it's tough to find the albums. It, oh, it's the, tough to find. It's like it was scrubbed. The video of him on SNL has been yeah. scrubbed from the internet. It's very difficult to find. You have to go through, like, remember that old uh, video uh, platform that was on Facebook for a while that the old SNLs were all featured oh, on? yeah. Like, mm-hmm. it, it's some, like, broke video link that I you have to find. I found the video yesterday that someone posted, and I had to download it on, like, my Google Drive yeah. to watch it. We'll be back in two minutes. You're listening to Black and Abdallah. ESPN Chicago.